monster, a creature with such horrific features, a lady, a bride, and scary movie fan. Some nerds and their website present this woman and her man. Hello and welcome back. To a special mid-month, mid-month, <laughs> welcome to the mid-month, welcome to a special mid-month edition of the Bride of the Creature podcast with me, the creature, Joey G, and joining me as always, the cutest podcaster in town, the bride, Nicole. Hello. How are you, love? I'm good. How are Ex- you? I, well, I can't speak, but I'm good. <laughs> month. Month. Welcome to the mid-month. Can you, maybe that's the voice I should do for the whole show. Yeah. Today we watched a little movie, it was quite I good. know, I'm not doing this with you if you do that. We are doing a surprise mid-month because we accidentally ended up, watched a yeah, movie. Yeah, we accidentally watched a movie together. That doesn't happen. No. It was an accident because I was doing art upstairs and Joy was putting on a movie. A movie. Movie. <laughs> I almost did it too. A mid-month movie. And you said all the ones you wanted to watch were um, subtitles. And, yeah. And I didn't want that while I was doing art. I wanted to listen to something. And then I ended up getting super sucked into the movie you were watching. And I said we should do a mid-month. A mid-month. <laughs> so, yeah, here we are. Uh, the film that we watched is actually a TV, a made-for-TV movie. It was a TV play from 1970 broadcast on the BBC, the British Broadcast Corporation, mm-hmm. written by John Griffith Bowen, who went on to create a show my mom used to watch called Hetty Wainthrop Investigates. Who's like a detective? No, it's a little old lady who solves mysteries. Say the name again. Hetty Wainthrop investigates. Oh, I thought I said throbbing. Yeah, throbbing <laughs> wiener investigations. That was what I said. It's like your mom likes dirty movies. No, uh, and it was directed by James McTaggart. The film in question is Robin Redbreast. Can you just say it normal? Robin Redbreast, and I liked it because of breast. Nicole, <laughs> would you like to make some comments? Oh, gosh. I didn't know we were doing an episode, so I didn't record uh, a synopsis, but I thought we could just use the the Wikipedia synopsis Also, does our brains from remembering? Yeah, that works well. <laughs> How many glasses of wine you had so far, love? This is my third. <laughs> yeah, fourth. we're in for a good episode, guys. She's. I, I'm just having fun. Yeah, moms don't get drunk. They just have I fun. I just have fun. Um, I was gonna Why don't say, we do the synopsis first before you start telling everyone your research? No, I just adding on to that you were saying where it aired originally mm. Mm. Um, on the BBC. It was part of a television anthology series called Play for Today and that ran from 1970 to 1984, which featured original television plays and adaptations of stage plays and all, as well as novels. And as far as I can tell, Robin Redbreast was just one of the original television plays. Not an actual play. Well, yeah, well, yeah, or a novel. and it was the first one they did for Play for Today as well. Yeah, it was the first. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, Play for Today. They also did. Um, there's a, a, another famous British folk horror movie called Penda's Fen that people talk about. That was one of these. So, how did you first hear about this movie? That well, one I, made you want to watch it. I've been um, getting really into like the history of folk horror. Um, it's You've been, been reading a lot of poems. Yeah, I've been reading like poetry and, and writing about that sort of uh, style of horror and filmmaking in particular uh, was very common in, you know, especially in Britain in that era, in like the 60s and 70s. It's had something of a resurgence. Movies like Midsommar 
uh, a field in England, things like that, are very much in the style of this folk horror genre. Um, the big, the big three that everyone points to as the unholy trinity of folk horror are Witchfinder General, Blood on Satan's Claw, and The Wicker Man, which is pretty much the most famous and best one of all of them. With the Nicolas Cage one. Yeah, Nicole, the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man. Is there Man. a one before it? Yeah, there's a really amazing, incredible movie, oh. and then they remade it into that Nicolas Cage meme. I have not seen either of them, so well, maybe a versus sometime. No, you. Can, I will not watch the remake of you the Wicker Man again. You said I should You should watch the original Wicker oh, Man because it's a masterpiece. The remake is good to watch the clips on YouTube because it's hysterical, but it is no. So we're not doing that. The, even the poetry you've been reading, um, those anthologies, Aubrey. are they from nineteen seventies as uh, well? No, I mean they look. They seem older. Well, the the particular anthology that I was reading had poems from as far back as like the 16th century. That's what I thought. Up until modern times, so there was, I you know, the last 500 years. That's the thing about like British folk history, right? Is that you know, th there's thousands of years of humanity there, right? Oh, I was gonna say it would have been cool if you could have read the Slow Children one that you shared with me. Yeah, but that one isn't old enough that I could just read it on a podcast. Oh, that's too bad. It's really good. Um, we've now mentioned it a bunch of times. I probably should open up my Goodreads so I can at least say the name of the book so that yeah, you could link, if you're you interested. You could link to it too on a, oh, our website. Come on, make me do extra work. No, I'm just going to say what it is here. Alright. Uh, Gotta go into the books completed in Heaven my... Heaven forbid you do extra work. Heaven forbid you do any work. <laughs> uh, I said we should do this. Yeah. So I created. So the anthology I read is called Folk Horror Revival Corpse Roads. The revised edition. Uh, edited by Andy Pachioric and Gray Malkin. Um, I follow them on uh, Twitter. They post oh, cool yeah. stuff. But yeah, you know, the English countryside full of like old pagan weirdness and anyway, elder gods and the, all that kind of good shit. The poems you've shared with me from that have been really creepy, yeah. really cool. Can I share a little anecdote? Yes. I sent Nicole a poem <laughs> and uh, the title of the poem was Slow Children. And she didn't click on the link. She just thought the whole poem was slow children. And I was like, I don't, She's like, I don't get I'm it. I'm like, what something. do you mean you don't get it? It's like so kids what, with hooves no, and shit. No, because it was like what you sent me, all the, the image showed was just an image of the sign. Oh, because I, I took a photograph of the poem in the book and sent yeah, it to you like so that, Yeah, so the photograph right? was like the sign that says slow children and looked like creepy woods in the background. And then it said slow children. So I was like, maybe this is... Um, that maybe the slow children saying goes with something in the picture, and I'm looking at the picture trying to correlate it with the words. Just didn't read the poem. I didn't click. I didn't. I didn't realize. I thought I literally she just saw the thought, thumbnail. I thought that that was, was like, the whole thing. I was like, "What do you know? What? No, open it." Okay, well, like to poem. be fair, knowing you, it, it could have just been that. You'd have been like, "This is brilliant." Yeah, I wouldn't have shown it to you because you would have made fun of me. <laughs> Instead, I showed you this cool poem about kids with hooves. Actually, like, it, I don't that's, get it. That's the one I was talking about. That one yeah. was really creepy. It was a great good. poem. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, my wife thought that the title was the poem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Super brilliant. Oh, just the whip smart. All right. Okay, so let's get into the plot of Robin so Redbreast. Black and white. It's black and white. How long was it? Didn't feel very. It long. was like seventy minutes. It was, Seventy-seven it was, minutes. It was like the perfect length for this story. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the premise is the story concerns a. We have a new microphone that's <laughs> omnidirectional, and that totally picked up. So, clink. clink. Yeah, cheers, everyone. Uh, so, BBC script editor Nora Palmer, played by Anna Cropper, uh, has been dumped by her boyfriend. And uh, so she leaves her two friends, Jake and Madge, who live in London. I like the name Madge. Madge? Yeah. It's Madge. short for um, Marjorie. 
It probably is short for Marjorie. Marjorie makes more sense than Marjorie, what I said. And Maggie. <laughs> Maggie. Maggie is probably Maj- also. Is Maggie is usually short for Margaret. And Madge is short for. Mad. Mad. <laughs> what did you say? I don't remember now. <laughs> I messed us up. Sorry. You sure did. Anyway, uh, Jake and Madge live in London, and she moves to the house that she'd bought with her boyfriend in the countryside in southern England. Now, she was like, fuck you, I'm going to live here instead, I'm a modern woman. Here's the thing, I guys. I have this modern little David Bowie haircut. She did have a mod haircut, it's true. It's yeah. pretty cool. If you're going to have a little house in the English countryside, don't go to it. Because you're going to get sacrificed to pagan gods. Anyway. That's not... Okay. It's what happens in every other folk horror story. Uh, Nora finds the village people strange but endearing, especially Mrs. Vigo. This is where I'm literally reading from the Wikipedia, by the way. So I'm just reading the Wikipedia. I'm editing it as I go, but I'm not making this up. I'm reading it from Wikipedia. Mrs. Vigo, who's a busybody housekeeper, who was great. Mr. Fisher, who's a local historian and is like my favorite character in is this. Is he thing. the one who's like? He's the glasses man. You got birds in the house. And- he's the one who's he's known for learning. He's known for being learned. And telling her that she's got mice in yep. her house. Yep. And there's a butcher named Mr. Wellbeloved. I don't remember the butcher. He's the other guy who showed up in the house that night. Remember? Oh, He's that the only night. other person yes. in the movie. Okay. Uh, and, and Peter, an old man who compulsively chops wood. Uh, after she discovers... It's a very, him, f- very useful compulsion. You can use that wood. Yeah, there's lots of things you can do with wood. <laughs> Burn it. Build with it. Burn witches with it. More Mo witches! witches. Anyway, uh, she discovers an infestation of mice in her house, and the villagers suggest she seek out someone named Rob, who they tell her lives in the woods. Uh, she Just finds go Rob. Look in, the, look in the woods. Go look in the find... scraggly woods. You'll find Rob. He's the guy doing kung fu. So this is the part where I started being like, "This is interesting," because she finds Rob in the woods, and he's doing kung fu. Just. Almost naked in these like black little underwear. Doing kung fu. D- making weird noises, doing kung fu on this like they weird dummy. Noises. Those were kung fu noises. They were more, they weren't really kung fu noises. He was practicing his karate. So I was like, hmm, this movie might actually be interesting. You just liked him because he was in his underpants and he was dishy. <laughs> I was like, ooh, so David no, Bowie haircuts all around. It was the 70s. <laughs> Uh, he turns out to be a young, handsome exterminator named Edgar, even though everyone calls him Rob, who spends his spare time practicing karate, nearly nude in the forest. Edgar successfully clears Nora's house of the mice, and although she finds him very boring, she's attracted to him because she's a horny slut. No, she's a modern woman. <laughs> the old horny gal. She no, she's allowed to enjoy sex. She's a uh, modern woman. She just you know. So there's this great scene where she needs. invites him over for dinner because she's all like, he's dishy. <laughs> And he has, he's an idiot, but he's like, oh yeah, it's revealed that on the, he was like adopted by um, Mrs. Vigo, because he's from an orphanage, but he didn't really grow up with her, but she adopted him technically, so um, anyway, um, he read a book about how to be interesting to women, he read, found a, and so he decided he would, he's supposed to become an expert in a subject, because women find that interesting, and then he was reading these muscle building magazines, and there was lots of advertisements for like SS memorabilia in the back of them, because I guess a lot of muscle heads are into fascism, and so he thought I'll become an expert on the SS, and so he talks about the SS to her all night. And she's like, this and she's is just really like, dull, man. This there's no faster way to dry out a woman's vagina than to talk about <laughs> oh, the fucking Joey. Gestapo. Oh my god, you're so. I'm just gross. saying, like, if you're trying to get some ass, the last thing you should do is tell a woman that the Gestapo were like the night. Of the round table. Yeah, you shouldn't really do that. <laughs> and you were just like, so she first she kicks him out, and you're like, what the hell? I thought she wanted to fuck him. I'm like, yeah, before he was going on about the goddamn SS all night. And the weird thing was, I thought she was offended. It turns out she was just bored. 
And it's just like, really? You thought he was boring? He's going on about yeah, the... I'll be honest. At this point, I was only half listening. I was all listening. While I was paint drawing. Paint drawing. Paint drawing. And, and I was like... I was like, maybe he just is like interested in the SS. Like, like I'm interested in true crime. And you're like, no. He was like, way. Yeah, you're like, no, he's just interested. I'm like, no. He was saying they're like the King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. It's like, oh, then yes, she had cause to throw him out. Anyway, it turns out he's actually just kind of like a simple sweetheart, and he doesn't really know what the fucking SS were really, and he's not into them. He just thought he was being interesting because he's trying to get this broad to. So she sleeps with him despite having misplaced her diaphragm. She didn't misplace it. But yes, she does. She goes to find her diaphragm before he comes over. It's like, oh, the diaphragm case is empty. It's a weird thing for me to misplace, but I guess I, I did. I only have one. I should just really pay attention to where I put that thing. Yeah, I, I had it in my retainer case and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so like. retainer case. So anyway, she <sighs> kicks him out, and half an hour later, a fucking bird goes mental down her chimney, and uh, he screams. runs in, and he kills the bird and saves her, and she's like, oh, thank you for saving me from the scary bird. Now let us fuck. She's like, oh, I, I watched you kill a bird. Now I'm super attracted yeah. to you again. So anyway, they bang. Uh, later on, Nora discovers that she's prego. Because she couldn't find her diaphragm. She's a modern woman, so she goes to get an abortion. Yep, but then, and it says in the Wikipedia, she decides against the procedure at the last minute and goes back to the cabin. They cut out the part where Rob goes to London and is like, please don't kill me, baby. And she's like, it's my seed. And she's like, the fucking, she's like, fuck you, your seed. What a weird, that's worse than the SS stuff. She's like, you're, you're not going to do anything with this baby. You, you don't have no a, job. You like, don't have a fucking, yeah, you get no say. This guy wants had, to go to Canada. She had very good points. She did. But then she decides that you know, she's, kind of in her mid-30s. She's like 34. She's like, I can't have children much longer. Well, I'm like, you know, 35 is considered senior for having a baby. Oh, you're almost, uh... Oh, oh fuck off. <laughs> I've already had my kids. <laughs> Look, Nicole, science can do some wonderful things these days. That's true, but not back in then, their day. Yeah, back in the 70s. <laughs> uh, anyway, she discovers she's pregnant, decides not to get an abortion, and goes back to the cabin... There was a whole bunch of stuff that kind of got glossed over where, like, uh, Mrs. Vigo um, knows everything that's happening in the village and forces Nora to go to the church with her. And right. they only have church once every few months when the pastor comes down. And he's kind of a dumb shit, but they're like, yeah, well, he comes, whatever. It's important that he come. And uh, she ends up back at the cabin. And Easter is approaching, and she starts to discover she's being slowly cut off from the outside world. Her phone lines are cut. Her car's been tampered with. The bus driver won't even stop for her. Uh, and she starts to think that she's a victim of a conspiracy, and the village is planning to sacrifice her and take her child. I liked the um, passage of time in this movie because not only did obviously she her belly get bigger, but her hair was getting longer and longer and longer from her David Bowie yeah. haircut. They shot this uh, in real time. I just really enjoyed that. Yeah, those I, details because yeah. she was cut off from everything so she's probably cut off from like a good well, it makes sense. I, I mean, was going to say barber but like hairdresser the movie is sort of about the passage of time and the the change of the seasons and yes. whatnot. so that yeah so that's a cool a little nice touch um, one night she lets Edgar into the house and he's the only person in the village who's not involved in the conspiracy and he's just like I'm bloody scared let me into the house I'm not one of them I'm not one of them I'm not involved in it and she lets them in and all of a sudden she realizes look at you he's shaking like a shitting dog he is scared he isn't one of them and then did she say that? no that's what uh, Monsieur Gustave says in the Grand Budapest Hotel she was shaking like a shitting dog Uh, anyway turns out uh, she faints because 
Uh, Someone breaks in, bursts in. Yeah, because Peter, the guy, comes down the chimney. I thought he, I thought they heard noise in the chimney. Came through the front door. No, um, uh, what's his face? The other guy comes through the front door. Oh, there's, so there's the, two the historian. Men. Right. The other man comes down the fucking chimney. So earlier, like Santa Claus, she's just point, been happy. Yeah, earlier in the movie, she was talking to the historian guy about why everyone calls him Rob if his name is Edgar, and he says the line that there's always been, there's always someone answers to the name Rob in the village, has to be, which is a great line. So did you mention that Edgar's gone now? Well, yeah, she faints and Edgar gets taken off, you know, come on Edgar, and you hear him scream, and then the next day, um... He's a, been sacrificed. Well, he's gone, we don't, what's his face, um, the, 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 uh, Mr. Fisher explains, oh no, Rob, uh, he, um... He went to Canada. He's no longer with us. And she's like, well, that's not believable. You murdered him, right? And he's just kind of like, well, maybe. I don't know. Listen. Uh, So he kind of explains in a very cool little scene that, like, yeah, his name is Rob. It comes from Robin Redbreast. And it's a special totem in this weird pagan religion of the town. And there's always a Robin who gets raised from birth by the townspeople for the purpose of becoming a sacrifice to uh, a pagan god to keep their crops to keep growing, their harvest, to keep their harvest strong um, and all that. So that there's always got to be a there's always a Robin Redbreast. They always find a new person to be the Robin Redbreast. He's of the village but not from it. He's raised sort of separate from it, so he's not actually a part of it. Uh, and that's why they went. It turns out that the diaphragm was actually stolen by Mrs. Vigo, who put it back. It's like, well, come on, Mrs. Vigo. Obviously, we know you. Cover she's your like, tracks, just lady. Just throw it away, then. And then at one point, she's uh, Nora's just like, "Oh, please, don't sacrifice me!" And Mrs. Vigo's just like, "You stupid idiot! What good would a woman's blood be?" And that's when it was like, "Oh, I get it. Okay, they, women are, you know, they they, they bring life. We can't be you killing them." Figured it out. I figured it out earlier on that that they weren't trying to sacrifice her or her baby yet. That they were going to sacrifice Edgar, and they were trying to get her pregnant so they could have the next Edgar. That's what I predicted. And I, I right, thought it was going to be total, just like Rosemary's Baby yeah, no. sort of situation. I like this way better. I like Rosemary's Baby a lot, but I actually like this better. This is a little bit less theatrical. It was also shorter. It's shorter, and I look Rosemary's Baby five out of five. It's a perfect movie, yeah. but like the whole like oh we're giving him to Satan, hail Satan. It's a little theatrical, a little bit silly. This feels much more like low key, lived in, slow burn. Um, and frankly, like well-dressed Manhattan socialites praising Satan isn't as cool as like a pagan religion in a well, small town think, in southern like, England. Nora as a character is stronger than Rosemary was. What have you done with his eyes? Rosemary like comes like late to the party with figuring shit out, and where Nora knows that she's being isolated, she tries to get help. She tries to get herself out, and she's just a really strong character yeah, cool. the whole way through. And so then the, in the, one of the creepiest scenes is at the very end, um, you know, Fisher explains that, hey, you know, before you leave, um, I know a good orphanage. Why don't you go back to your, your hip, modern women's ways in London, leave the baby in the orphanage, and, uh, you know... He'll be our new he'll Robin. He'll be the next Robin. What do you figure? And she's just like, fuck no! She's like, no, thank you. And then, they just, and so then she gets in her car, and she's just like, fuck this, and is driving away, and she looks in the rearview mirror, and we get this awesome shot where all the four townspeople who are standing there are all now look like pagan deities led by Fisher as Hearn the Hunter. Is it Hearn or Herne? I don't know. I've never heard it said out loud, but it's H-E-R-N-E. Uh, in English folklore, yeah. He's a ghost associated no, with the I, Windsor Wood. Anyway, that was Robin Redbreast. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Nicole did some research, by which I assume that means you read more of the Wikipedia page. I did. Of, the, of Herney. <laughs> of Herney. Let's call him Hermie. Hermie. 
the hunter? It's Herbie. Herbie the hunter. Herbie like, Hancock. Oh, so it's like actually based on some real folklore here. So he was the one, Mr. Fisher was the one with antlers, which is what Herney the hunter is associated with. Let's call with. him Herbie, so that way you can make a Herbie goes banana joke. Okay. Um, so he's a ghost of the Windsor Forest um, in the English county of Berkshire. So part of his folklore, I've this is kind of boring, I found. He just like, torment, torments cattle and rattles chains. And he haunts a particular oak tree at midnight in wintertime. This next part I found more interesting because I think it applied more to the movie. Um, he's the god of vegetation, vine, and the wild hunt. So, god of vegetation, they were sacrificing Rob so that their mm-hmm. harvests would grow and get better. Like in that South Park episode with Brittany. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. Oh, yeah. And um, there's this chant that um, that is associated with Hernies. Herbie. And it's a prayer for the spirits who die to feed us. So this is a prayer for Rob. Um, and it goes, Hoof and horn, hoof and horn, all who die shall be reborn. Corn and grain, corn and grain, all that falls will rise again. Which I thought was kind of cool. Cool little poem. And it made me think of all the folklore and the poems, the poems that you've been yeah. reading. Yeah. Which yeah, that was cool. Now that you mentioned it, that poem might have been in the book. I don't remember. There was like 800 poems in that book. It sounds oh, really? familiar, but I don't know if it's familiar because I read it or because you read it to me earlier. But the first actual, like... Um, the earliest written account. Written account of it is comes from Shakespeare's play, The Merry Wives of Windsor, which you say is a, it's a comedy. comedy. There is an old tale goes that Hearn the Hunter, sometime a keeper here in Windsor Forest, doth all the winter time at still midnight walk round about an oak with great ragged horns and there he blasts the tree and takes the cattle and makes milch kine yield blood and shakes a chain in a most hideous and dreadful manner you have heard of such a spirit and well you know the superstitious idle-headed eld received and did deceive and did deliver to our age this tale of Hearn the hunter for a truth that's from uh, William Shakespeare, The Merry Wives of Windsor, Act 4, Scene 4. <laughs> you should have read what I just read. You did that very well. Hoof and horn, no, hoof and horn. <laughs> all who die shall be reborn. Corn and grain, corn and grain. All that falls will rise again. <laughs> you can tell which of us took drama in high school. You took drama in high school? No, I did not. Not in, in high junior school, high. but it still counts. It does not count. I think it does. So yeah, there's lots of stuff in here about uh, possible origins. <laughs> if you're interested in Hearn the Hunter, I would re- direct you to the Wikipedia page or maybe to your local library <laughs> where you can learn all about other Anglo-Saxon deities of the early to Middle Ages. Some of the imagery I really enjoyed in this movie um, it goes with the sound effects of she's hearing voices in in when she's sleeping but showing clips of outside and mm. and the wind and the trees and just those shots of nature and then like it really quickly was cutting in shots mm-hmm. of, of dead um rodents like yeah. rabbits and there's a lot like of that. really great slow burn yeah, atmosphere was, in this movie it was really good i think you really enjoy a slow burn oh, i love it i'm not as keen on it but in this time frame, it worked really well. Yeah, the, that's one of the things I like so much about this whole folk horror genre is there's always like a very slow burn. It's all about atmosphere. And then usually by the end, shit kicks off and you're just like, whoa, fuck, it's, everything's fucky. Yeah, I really enjoyed all the characters in this this movie. I loved how I thought Rob was part of it the whole time. And mm-hmm. 
Then he was more scared than she was. You were shaking like a shitting dog. Yeah. Nora. Uh, Nora was a really kick-ass character. And for those of you playing at home, this film is available in its entirety on YouTube. Is it? That's actually where I got this version of it. Nice. I downloaded it from the YouTubes. Nice, nice. Nice, nice. It's also on uh, Blu-ray or DVD, I think. I think there's a box set of like old um, British folk horror type stuff that uh, cool. you can get. It's I probably would love B, to watch more of this We have stuff. more on the box, this so we'll watch them. This was super fun to watch. I'm really glad I got into it. Um, I tried to get you, you to watch Witchfinder General, but you didn't. Yeah, I was drinking whiskey that night, Joey. <laughs> it was a bad night to get me to watch it. You liked um, The Haunted Castle. You watched that this week, too, didn't you? I did. Haunted Castle it's was not really, really fun. Horror, it's actually an adaptation of a Lovecraft story. Did you it's, know that? No, it's I didn't. It's based on the of the case of Charles Dexter Ward. Cool. I really liked... It was just like the whole cliche castle, oh, yeah. lightning strikes, the whole thing. It was just It's a much fun. more gothic... Almost, it's it's another Roger Corman movie, so it's closer to his Edgar Allan Poe adaptations. So it was all Technicolor and Gothic, yeah. which is not really what that Lovecraft story is, but it's still a very fun adaptation. It was, yeah, that was a super yeah. fun watch too. Well, that concludes our mid-month episode. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed. We are releasing this on Friday the thirteenth. Happy yep. Friday the thirteenth. Go yep. watch that movie. <laughs> No, watch a better movie. Friday the Thirteenth is great. I like Friday the Thirteenth. I'm just over it. I'm just we I'm have watched done. It We've, a lot. I've seen enough of them. Uh, so watch Robin Redbreast and then watch uh, Nosferatu, our uh, Werner Herzog vampire picture that we're doing for the end of the month. Yeah. So come back. Don't miss that. That'll be a gooder. <laughs> Werner Herzog presents Klaus Kinski as Nosferatu. Uh, until the next time, then I'm the creature Joey G. And I'm the bride Nicole. Y'all stay scary now. Kissy kissy. Stay out of the fucking woods. How could this woman ever decide to wed this man?